How many are ready for the word just for a few moments? Hallelujah. I just want to release this over your life today. I, we'll work with the time. Hey, we got our volunteer banquet after service today, this afternoon. This place is going to be turned into a big old dining hall. We're going to have some food and fun and all the folks that have been serving in uh, 2021, people that have dedicated their time and their energies to serve this ministry. We have almost 100 volunteers that have served and given their life. What you see happening in this church is because of them. Amen. So we're going to celebrate them tonight. We're going to have food, fun, entertainment. It's going to be a great time. So we just celebrate them. This place is going to be transformed. It's going to look really nice. It's going to be the red carpet affair. Hallelujah. All right. Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to skip around a little bit here and just uh, put this back into your hearing. Numbers chapter 13, verse number 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. And you shall send a man each of their father's tribe, every one a leader among them. Somebody shout, a leader. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the command of the Lord, and all of them, uh, and all of them men, and all of the men who were the heads of the sons of of Israel. Look with me in verse number 25. And when they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceed to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit nevertheless we saw nevertheless the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they are very large and moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there Amalek is living in the land of the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will, or, or we, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in the land were men of great size or great stature there, there also we saw the Nephilim the sons of Anak who were part of the Nephilim and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their side. I want to just look over with me and I want to add another scripture to that. It's in Numbers chapter 14, the next chapter. I want to go to verse number 8, Numbers 14, 8. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and will give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse number 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord 
And do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. One translation says they will be our food. The King James says they will become like bread. They will be our bread. For their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. We've been talking to you about level changers. This will just be another addition to that series, level changers. Push on somebody and tell them it's time to eat. Come on, just tell them it's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Now find somebody in your neighborhood and say, I just want to tell you again, you are a level changer. Come on, just tell them you are a level changer. Come on, find somebody. Come on, push on them real good and tell them, I mean, for real, you are a level changer. You are a level changer in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher. You're the revelator of all truth. Thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise for it now in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Porter. I was sharing with you last week just a few things that I felt like God was saying to us. And, and one of the things that I began to remind us about was that, how many know that sometimes people who have a promise don't always look like it? Uh, it's easy to underestimate. It's easy to overlook the potential of someone based on where they're at right now. Uh, and if we're not careful, we can prematurely judge somebody based on where they are right now. We can overlook the potential that somebody has in their life based on what they're going through right now. But the thing that I like about God is, is that God will never leave you where he finds you. <laughs> and anybody who has ever walked with God long enough and stayed on the course with him understands that I may have started at this level, but I didn't stay there. Just that, that might be where I started, but that ain't how I'm going to end. And anybody that has walked with God over the years that has stuck with him long enough realizes that God will never leave you where you started. And it's possible, it's possible for someone to have a promise and there be no evidence of that promise. It's possible that somebody could be sitting in here right now, pregnant, with a word from God. Somebody got nervous right there. Pregnant. I saw the wife look at the husband and say, huh? No. Pregnant. Pregnant with a word from God and people around them may not even know it because they don't look like it. But if you just walk with God long enough, and if you just stay on the journey long enough, sooner or later, that word that he gave you will begin to take root on the inside of you, and it's just a matter of time that what he has purposed in your life will be magnified outside of your life, and the evidence of that promise will be, will be seen by many and God will get the glory from it. How many just heard what I said right there? God will get the glory. So the person that God calls, that God touches, that God begins to work with, 
It's never the same person that they are when God gets through with them. How many can just say over my life, I can look back and say, whew, thank God I ain't what I was. Huh? I may not be what I need to be, but I sure ain't what I used to be. Hallelujah. I may not be where he wants me right now, but I ain't given up on God, and I know he hadn't given up on me, and I'm just going to stay along the journey. Because if you remember, when, when God found Jacob, he was a trickster. He was a schemer. He was, he was, a, he was a lying somebody. Jacob was a, was a rascal. He was, he was a lying dog. I mean, I mean if, if you just really knew the Jacob. But by the time God got through with him, he became Israel, the prince of, e, the prince of Israel. When, 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 when God found Saul, he was persecuting Christians. He was what we would call a modern-day terrorist. He was dragging Christians out of their home and killing them. But by the time God got through with him, he became known to us as the Apostle Paul, who wrote three-quarters of the New Testament that we have today. Ooh, when God called Gideon, he was a coward. Living in a wine press, beating out wheat because he was afraid of his enemies. But by the time God got finished with him, by the time God got through dealing with Gideon, he no longer was a coward, but the Bible says he became a mighty man of valor. Woo. Because whatever you, wherever you start, it's not where you stay. When, when God found Simon Barjona, he was a shaking reed blowing in the wind. But by the time God got through with him, he became the Apostle Peter. Who Jesus said, upon this rock, this Petros, this little piece of rock, this revelation that you have, Peter, I'm going to build my church and the church that I build, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Because wherever God starts, he don't stop. And so I'm looking at these things and I'm trying to work it in our day. And work it into our time in which we find ourselves living. And if you notice in our text this morning, for the sake of time, I can't cover a whole lot of repeated history where we've been. You just have to watch it online or however you get it off of social media or whatever and catch up with us. But in our text, the journey for the, for the, for the children of Israel coming out of Pharaoh's brickyard towards the land of promise is a picture to us on how they had to overcome their present level in order to embrace their future. They had to leave one level and embrace the next level. They, they, were, they, they had been living, generations had been living in bondage for over 400 years. And here they are now with an opportunity to leave the bondage behind. The thing about bondage is that after you have been in bondage for a long time, after you have been detained, restrained, contained, detained, maintained, all the tames, after you have been tamed long enough, you become demoralized in your soul. You get demoralized in your mind, your will. And your emotions. And what happens then, self-doubt begins to set in. And when self-doubt begins to set in, and even though you've been released 
from the power of sin. Even though you've been released from the power of Egypt. Come on, Israel. Even though you've been released from the power of the physical grip that that bondage had on you, if you're not careful, you can be free physically but bound up mentally. Because all you do is remember where you came from. You just keep gravitating back to what you had or what you did or what you were. And so it's not just a physical release. When you came to Jesus Christ, he gave you immediate release. Your spirit man was born again. Your spirit man is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Your spirit man is just like God. But you have, you're on a journey to change the way you think about a thing. You're on a journey to get your mind to catch up with your spirit. Because if your mind doesn't become renewed, if you don't begin to apprehend the mind of Christ, you may be free physically, but you're still bound mentally. And if you're bound mentally, it's just a matter of time where it will affect every aspect of your life. It will affect your decision making. It will affect how you control your temper or no temper. It begins to control it begins to control every aspect of your being that's why when we come to God we come to him just like we are and he forgives us just like we are but then he starts us on a journey because when you started on this journey you were at one level but if your mind doesn't begin to develop into the things of God then your mind keeps pulling you back to a previous level and a previous experience. And the next thing you know, God has elevated you to a greater position, but your mind won't let you get there. But what I love and appreciate about God is the fact that, that, that God will do things for us that are beyond us. Walk with me just for a moment. He will begin to do things that only He can do. Because sometimes people are so twisted and so messed up dysfunctionally. Come on, everybody, just look at me. They are so messed up dysfunctionally in their life that if God doesn't get involved, then things never get any better. And there are some things that God will do for you that you could never do for yourself. And God will begin to do things just to let you know that if I put a promise in you, I'm capable of delivering you to that promise. And while the children of Israel was in Pharaoh's brickyard, they had a promise, but they didn't know how to get it. Sometimes people have a promise, and we don't know it. And we overlook the potential of their life based on where they're at. Right now. I'm about to get there. Y'all ready? It was a whole generation backing up 400 years of generations, plural, that was born in bondage, that was held in bondage. All they ever knew was bondage. But God. Every now and then you got to have a but God in your life. Come on, push on somebody and tell them, but God. 
So God says, you know what? I know how to deal with Pharaoh. I'll just harden his heart. I'll bend his will so that they won't let you go. And I'll just let everybody know that I don't care if Egypt is the most powerful army in the world, if it's the most powerful economic army in the world, I will break the will of the Egyptians. I'll send plagues that no man can stop, no man can start. I'll put plagues on them. And under, the, under compulsion, the Bible says, I will make him let you go. So sometimes God has to do for me what I can't do for myself. Now, now that's, that's the beginning stages. I always say it like this, God will spot your one or two. But sooner or later, you got to come out of instability and into maturity. And you would think that after seeing the ten plagues that came over the land, And you would think that after getting to the Red Sea and it supernaturally dividing and the children of Israel walking over on dry ground and when the the Egyptians tried to follow them, when they got into what they were in, God closed the book on them. God closed the sea on them and they all were drowned in the sea. You would think that after seeing all that, you would begin to believe God a little bit. Thank all three of y'all. The rest of y'all, where y'all at? You think if God did all that, you would have to start believing, man, this this God has some power. He really is bigger than Egypt. Let me break it down. He really is bigger than Russia. He really is bigger than American governments. He really is bigger than the nation that we live in. He really is God of the universe. He really is the sovereign monarch of the universe. And there's nobody above him. He really is. You would begin to think by now after seeing, I mean, you may have to like, oh, I don't know, maybe that was luck, maybe that was chance. But after about seven or eight, nine or ten miracles, one right after another, you would begin to think somebody's got to change the way you've been thinking. Somebody's got to get a new mindset. Somebody's got to begin to put their mind in forward and take it out of reverse and say, if God did that, I know he'll do this. If God was faithful back then, I know he'll be faithful in my tomorrows. Push on somebody and tell them it's another level now. It's another level. It's another level. It's another. God was moving among them. And he gave them a promise. And he's not limited by where they are based on the promise that he gave them. Just because of where you are right now doesn't mean that your promise ain't alive. Doesn't mean that your baby ain't kicking on the inside of you. It's just being incubated. It's just being nourished. It's just being trained for where God is about to release you. I wish you'd just get happy for a moment and just know that there's something on the inside of you that the world cannot take away. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away got a promise from God. Yeah. Moses sends these spies out into the land. The Bible says he sent 12 spies into the land for 40 days. And they come back saying, hey, hey, everything, everything in the land is, as, is just like God said it was. It really is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's everything that God said it was. It's a land of plenty. And it's a land of opportunity, but 10 of the 12 came back with what the Bible calls a bad report. The King James says it was an evil report, and that report, now watch me now, come on church in America, watch me now, that report began to spread through the body 
10 people's report began to spread through the body to the point that three and a half million people begin to complain and murmur. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you ain't a complainer today. <laughs> they began to complain and murmur. Isn't it just, I mean, don't, let's just don't be so mad at Israel. Isn't it just like us? We're living in the greatest country in the world. We're living in the freest nation in the world, and we still complaining. we still fussing and backbiting. we still fussing over racism. we still fussing over things that don't even make sense in the body of Christ. But because the devil knows how to stir it up, because the devil knows how to keep people in bondage, people lose their identity, people lose their faith, people lose their movement forward in God based on stuff that don't even matter at the end of the day. Like, like, like your skin color really matters. And we got all this division in the body of Christ. We, and now, we, now we, got, we, got, we, we got all these identity wars, you know. And now we got, we got these economy wars. We got these Republican-Democratic wars. And all we do is complain and God says, I have just liberated you from generations of bondage and I'm trying to take you to a place where there's plenty of opportunity, there's freedom like you've never seen, but you've got to change the way you've been thinking. So 10 come back with this negative report. Watch this. Complaining, this will be on the screen, complaining is the language of fear. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, I just got, it got quiet on me right there. Complaining is the language of unbelief. Complaining only comes out of a heart where there's a lordship issue. Wherever the lordship of Jesus is compromised, Complaining will be the evidence. Ooh, somebody should have threw a baby right there. All you do is complain. All you do is murmur. You're part of the problem. You're part of the problem in the body of Christ. Only be offended at me. You're part of the problem because God has given you all this ability. To break free from any kind of lifestyle that has hindered you. He's given you the ability to come out of sin, its grip, its devastation. He's given you the ability to move forward in your life. But all you can do is complain about what you don't have. <laughs> and here's the thing about complaining. Complaining almost always is reasonable. When you remove the power and the presence of God from the equation. Should never be in the vocabulary of any believer. Is complaining. Pastor Vanessa said a while ago. I got friends that are sending me clips of the, of, of the church in the Ukraine. They are worshiping. Today's Sunday morning. Whatever, how many hours they're ahead of us. They, they've already had it. They were worshiping God. Like we were today, only we did it in freedom and they did it under a threat. And we're going to complain about, oh my God, y'all done too long in church. Y'all stand up too much. Y'all sing too long. 
It's too hot. It's too cold. My God, I had to walk all the way across the grass. It's dead. I got grass on my shoes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Talking about level changers. Anytime there is complaining, you can be sure that faith is not present. This will be on the screen for you. Just, just work with me. Let me work it out. The, the spirit of fear will always attract whatever information is needed to legitimize its existence. Woohoo! Since y'all got so quiet about complaining, I think I'll just camp right here for a moment. I must have hit a nerve. This will be on the screen for you. Complaining is voicing our dissatisfaction over the situation that God has placed us in. Please don't say that you are a born-again believer and your steps are ordered by the Lord and you don't like where you're at. Please, please don't say, well, my steps are ordered to the Lord and he delights in my way. I don't like where I'm at. Well, you just got led into where you're at. Well, I don't like it. Maybe it's not about the environment that you're Maybe God is trying to promote you to the next level. But you got to graduate from this level. <laughs> okay, since that's going over really good and I feel so much love in the house right now. Let me, I'm not going to preach these. I'm just going to give them to you because I know I won't ever get back to it based on the, the energy of the house right now. There's four main reasons why people murmur and complain. Number one, four main reasons that's why it's so dangerous. Number one, complaining cuts off our vision for the future. When we start complaining, we begin to lean in to what we are really to what we really agree with. That's what we when we start complaining, we're really leaning into what we really agree with. And what you agree with, stayed on it long enough, becomes a belief. And if it's a belief, it becomes a behavior. If it stays a behavior long enough, it becomes culture. If it stays negative in the culture around, it becomes strongholds. Now you got to break generations of it. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Number two. Complaining causes us to doubt God's goodness for the present. When we're complaining again, it says, God, I don't like the area that you mapped out for my life, and so I'm just going to fuss a little bit. Can I tell you something? God's not moved by your fussing. God ain't moved by your complaining. God's not even moved by your tears. Because God says, I'll let you die in the wilderness. I'll let you wander around that same old mountain for 40 years. I won't even move you any level higher. I'll let you stay. If all you can do is murmur and complain, fuss and gripe and gripe about everything that's around you, guess what? You stay on that level. But I will have a generation that will rise. I will have a people that will rise that says, we're not going to camp out at this mountain forever, but we're about to enter into our promise. We're about to take possession of the territory that God has given us, and we refuse to take pride or enemies with us. We refuse to back up on anything that God has said to us because this promise has been working for generations after generations and God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of a man that he should repent. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. Push on somebody and tell them it's another level. It's another level. It's another level. What number are we on? Number three, complaining causes unbelief to take root and grow. 
Did you know that unbelief is a seed? Unbelief is a seed. And every time you complain, you water that seed. Every time you complain, you're putting fertilizer on that seed. I feel so much love. And eventually, what you have watered, what you have nurtured, what you have fertilized, eventually begins to grow. And eventually begins to produce fruit. That's why the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You want to locate somebody? Just listen to their mouth. Hear what they're saying all the time. You can locate them spiritually. Praise the Lord. <laughs> let, me, let me give you one more so we don't have to have a bad day, okay? And then we'll get up out of here, okay? Complaining invites greater adversity. Let me put it to you this way. Complaining draws you into the curse. It draws you into the negative side of everything that's not like God. In fact, you can read it later. We won't take time to turn it. But in Numbers 14, when the children of Israel would not stop their complaining, God said, you know what? I'm just going to get in agreement with their words. I'm going to agree with it. Instead of them agreeing with me, I'm going to start agreeing with them. And the Bible says, and he let them die in the wilderness. Their complaining drew the curse. And that's where they died. Because you refuse to come into agreement with God. Because you refuse to believe the promises of God over your life. God's going to come into agreement over what you declare. I knew that wasn't going to be a happy version of everything right there. That's why I did it up front. Just get that out of the way. Come and look at your neighbor and say, okay, we're going to breathe a little bit now. We're going to breathe a little bit now. I just, I just wanted to strike you while you were fresh. It's my job. It's my job. It's my assignment to not let you stay at the same level you started. So 10 of the spies came back complaining with a negative report. When the leaders came back, those leaders, the Bible calls them spies. Moses said they're leaders. When those leaders came back, they said, the land is everything that God said it was. But you know what? There's giants in the land. There's fortified cities in the land. And we just don't believe we're, a, we're, we're, we're able to take this. So that report begins to spread. Doubt begins to set in. It wasn't bad enough that you come out of doubt in Egypt. But now you can't even foster faith now that you're free from the grip of Egypt and you still won't change your vocabulary. <laughs> and notice now it was the, I'm about to get there and then we're going to shout, all right? It was the estimation of the leaders that began to mark the boundaries for a generation. Because the leaders began to set the perimeters. If you're a, a father in your home, daddy, you're a leader. If you're a single parent mom, mom, you're the leader. 
Let, let me just, since I got y'all a little bit mad with me for a moment, it's not your kid's job to tell you when they want to come to church. They don't tell you when they want to go to school. Well, some of y'all, they might, I guess. I don't know. Well, I don't feel like going to school today. Okay, stay there and play your video games. But we let our kids drive the family. And then we let the order of the family get backwards. And we wonder why we are a nation failing when it comes to power and authority and order. It's because we're letting children drive the bus. We're letting children drive the home. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to know if you're a father in the home, you are the prophet the priest and the king over your home and you lead your children, you lead your family, you lead them and you spread the boundaries for their life. Yeah, I wish somebody helped me preach a little bit right there. It, it's the leader, mom. If you're a single parent mom and daddy's nowhere to be found, then mom, you are raising your kids and God will give you the grace. He'll give you the anointing and you drive your children into the presence of the Lord. I am tired of a jacked up generation that says church is not important. How long can you survive without a fellowship of a company of believers? How long will you kick against the word of God and call your own shots? How long are you going to do it? How long are you going to be a self-made whatever? How long are you going to keep living outside the boundaries of the Word of God? When will you rise up? When will you take authority? When will you take charge and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Because I am a level changer. I'm going to say it again. I am a level changer. I don't like the level my family's on. I'm going to change it. <laughs> okay. I feel better now. What God is doing in our church world today doesn't look like it did 20 years ago. Our nation don't even look like it did 20 years ago. And we have to be people that understand. we got to be like Caleb. Hey, we can do this thing. <laughs> we have to be people that understand. God didn't bring me out to kill me. He brought me out to deliver me. Guys, I'm skipping around, so find me if you can. One of the greatest tragedies in our me-centered culture is that we only have faith for what we want. Never believe we can have faith for what God wants. I want to get out there a little bit right now because I feel like you're kind of numb. You don't know to shout or to shut up. You don't know what to do right now. <laughs> we have been commissioned to possess cities. Overthrow darkness in cities. Anytime the church, not, not, it's not that God don't work with entities and rulers and powers, he does. But anytime the church forfeits its right to lead the city, we just hand it over that right to the enemy. 
That's why as the people of God, whenever we gather together, it's not for a religious ritual routine. I didn't come in here to punch in my spiritual clock and say, I went to church Sunday. We came in here to gather collectively and corporately so that we could unite our faith together. So we could worship God in concert. So we could hear the instructions of the word of the Lord. So we take what God is saying and we move it back into the marketplace. We move it back into the schoolhouse. We move it back into the business world. We move it back into governments. And we let the enemies know that are occupying those spaces. There is a new sheriff in town. There is a new power in town. And we refuse to surrender it over to any enemy. You take what you hear, you march back up into your house. Even if you got to restructure everything, you start saying, hey, in my house, we're going to read, we're going to pray, we're going to study, we're going to worship the Lord. We're not going to watch all that crazy stuff on TV. We're going to know how to turn it off. We're going to know how to walk away. We're not going to just listen to anything. You better know how to walk up in your children's bedroom, unsnatch the power cord and say, you ain't listening to that. You ain't going to watch that. I am the priest and king over my house. You don't have no jurisdiction authority over my house when you're grown and gone do what you want to do but as for me and my house we're going to serve God together we're going to march to the same drum beat together because at the end of the day we're trying to drive a culture that looks like God push on somebody and tell them it's another level some of y'all getting mad at me I can see it in your eyes some of you roll your eyes I hope they get stuck I hope they get stuck (laughs) I do I hope and we have to pray for you. Healing, come to your eyeballs. Get back in place. Albert Einstein said it best. He said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level we were at when we created them. The significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level we were at when we created them. God didn't create problems. Man did. Somebody said, well, I don't, want to, I don't want to get the devil upset or mad. He's already mad. He was mad when he lost his authority in heaven. He's been mad ever since he's been kicked out of heaven. And don't think your little, your, your little pious religious attitude is going to change it. He was mad when he got kicked out of heaven. He's going to stay mad until he gets bound up for a thousand years and thrown into the eternal lake of fire. And if you think, well, one day the devil's going to get saved, you, are, you, you, you have lost your theology. I don't feel sorry for the devil. Punish the devil. Punish the devil with my faith. I punish the devil with my prayers. cannot fix the problems at the same level we are when we created them. So we got to think differently. Let me, let me give you this since we're out of time. When levels are not achieved, you start taking laps. You ever seen those people that don't ever get out of that same situation? Then they start blaming everybody, you know, because we live in a victimized mentality society. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. I am the way I am because of so-and-so. No, you are the way you are because you choose to live there. 
check mic. Is it working? The report, when the 12 spies, the 12 leaders came back, the report, this will be on the screen, should have been a confirmation, not a contradiction. It should have confirmed what God was saying, not contradicted. I think I shared this quote with you last week. I don't remember. I think I did. The level of anxiety that we live with reveals how often we subject ourselves to inferior things. How many know that the word of God is supreme? God's word is all power. Right? God's word is a seed. If you look at Matthew 13, you hear about the the parable of the seed and the sower. And, And if you read Matthew 13, you find out who the main characters are. It's Jesus and the evil one. Jesus sows the good seed. And the Bible says, and the evil one comes immediately to steal it. If he doesn't steal it, if you follow the narrative, you find out that the evil one begins to plant his seed. So now you've got weeds that are growing up and choking out God's seed. And whatever you respond to, whatever you lean into, you give license or you permit it to prevail. So if you keep giving in to the evil one, then his word's going to take fruit and manifest. About to go somewhere. God's word has all authority. The devil has no authority. I had to say that with some emphasis. Because I feel like some Christians in America are afraid of the devil. I'm not saying he doesn't operate in power. I'm just saying next to God, he has no power. And let me just say this in case our theology is messed up. God don't put sickness on people to teach them a lesson. And God don't take people when they die just because he needs another flower in heaven. The Bible says it's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anything that's not of God is the devil. God don't kill people because he needs another fat cherub. That's some messed up theology. That's some messed up. If you think you're just going to get wings and fly around in heaven when you die, you have missed the whole point of why God came. You have missed the whole point. So when the devil attacks... If you don't have the seed of God, you start believing the inferior seed. God's seed is all-powerful. The devil's seed is inferior. But the devil's seed will work if you agree with it. It will work when you empower it. The devil didn't have authority until you gave it to him. I'm trying to get there. I, I, Karen and I, we, we play off each other a lot of times because like, if you get sick at our house, you're on your own. I mean, somebody better come in and check your pulse. Like if they ain't seen you for a couple of days because it was like, no, we ain't taking that. So 
Like, well, can you, uh, can you at least help? I came in here. She's she been fighting some stomach issues and just really knocks her down. And it's like, baby, I'm hungry. Now, that may not mean a lot to y'all, but she's like saying, listen, when you when you sick, you ain't feeding me. When I'm sick, I ain't going to feed you. And I, it's, it's an unspoken attitude that we say, we're not going to accept it. I know some of y'all just want to lay down and pull down the hatches and button up everything and say, oh, God, I'm about to die. Telling Pastor Porter today, we were talking. Listen, and I know sickness is. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying you're, you're bad if you get it. I'm just saying you don't have to live with it. I told Pastor Porter today we were talking. We were throwing scriptures around, just messing around. What we do is what preachers do. You know, we just we try to give our best revelation to everybody around us. And so we're going back and forth. And I just said, you know what? I don't have time to be sick. And I didn't say that arrogantly. I didn't say like, oh, look at me. I'm all this power. I, it's because I'm working enough word inside my seedbed of my heart that when sickness comes, it's an immediate red flag that, uh-uh, you are violating. You are trespassing. You don't have a right in this body. And so you begin, and I'm not saying you just like bloom overnight. I'm just saying it's the little things. You just start exercising authority over it. And there's plenty of people in this building today who understand what I'm talking about because they have had to gut it out. They had to have to pray it out. They've had to have to fast it out. And they just stood on the word of God because I want to tell you something. In the midnight hour when you can't get the worship team to come to your house and you can't get the elders to show up at your house, you better know how to have a word hidden in your heart. And you better know that the enemy has come to plant his seed. But you know how to uproot it. You know how to pluck it up. And you know how to gravitate to the superior seed push on somebody and tell them it's a level now it's a level it's a level okay let me give you these and then we're gonna go home okay right here this this is it this is it and then we'll save the best for another day the level that you live on has nothing to do with how much God loves you but more about what you're willing to live with Whatever you tolerate, you don't change. If, you're, if, if you've been in a, any kind of a, an abusive situation, somebody keeps abusing you, you don't have to stay there. Get up and leave. So that's not, I'm telling you, get up and leave. But if you keep tolerating it, you're going to keep getting beat. Okay, I feel all the love. I just lost y'all. Where'd y'all go? We, we, we tell people all the time, when they're about to get married, make sure you're, 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 you're spiritually compatible. Don't just look at the lips and hips. Because I promise you in time, that's going to change. Gravity. You, gravity. Gravity. The laws of gravity. Gravity sets in. You can nip it, tip it, suck it, Whatever. You can doctor it up for a while, but gravity's still setting in. You'll go broke. <laughs> when you get ready to marry somebody, make sure you're not unequally yoked. Well, I'll change them when I marry them. That's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not the exception. It can maybe happen like one out of every two million. But it don't happen. 
I feel, I felt that. I better quit before y'all walk out on me. See, life is lived out on levels, but it's experienced in seasons. The levels that we live on deal with strategies, the ways of thinking, how we do a thing, who you do it with. All right, let me just give you these and so, so we can go. I'm not going to preach them. Number one, quitting is a level. Quitting is a level. People who quit, quit all the time. <laughs> and most time, they quit at the learning curve. They quit right when God is about to expand their borders because they don't like the pressure. I can't tell you how many times over the years when this church was moving to new levels and, and the demands became on the people who were serving. You got to get here on time. And it's not that they don't love God. They just, they, just, they just couldn't make the journey of getting here on time. So they quit. Only in the body of Christ are we late, last, and lost. Quitting is a learned behavior. Somebody taught you how to quit. Somebody taught you how to give up. Somebody taught you how to walk away. Quitting is a level. And to advance in God, you got to quit being a quitter. You got to say, I'm going to stick my nose in it. I'm going to press forward in my faith with it. There's some people in here in this room who you just show up to church when you feel like it. You're a quitter. Because you, you only come to church when it's convenient for you. Not when it's done out of order and authority. You're a quitter. And if you quit on this level, you'll quit on multiple levels. It's less than something that you want. Okay, I told you I wasn't going to preach them because I, I can feel it, boy, like we're losing everybody. Number two, learning is a level. Learning is a level. Do you realize that Absalom and Solomon had the same teacher? Both of them had the same teacher. Do you know that Judas and John had the same teacher? The difference wasn't in the teaching. The difference was in the learning. Judas had the best preacher. He had the best pastor. He had the best leader. He had one of the, who, who would have been his closest friend. But he still failed. Because it wasn't in the teaching, it was in the learning. And sometimes this is where, I'm just, going, I'm just picking on you. Sometimes we blame our learning on the leadership of the church. And I'm just trying to say, no, listen, you got as much access to anybody on the planet to the things of God. And the church should do its due diligence. The church, the church should preach the word. The church should love and, and fellowship and do all the things that we're called to do. But at the end of the day, you've got your own mind. And you can learn. Okay, who you listen to is a level. <laughs> we 
got a whole generation in our scripture that was stuck because who they were listening to. I love the way my bishop used to put it. He said, he said, the voices that are informing you are forming you. Ooh. Whatever information is coming into you, that's what's forming you. I wonder how many people are being held hostage by somebody else's opinion. Listen, you can't throw this on me. I grew up in this, this, this city right here. It's like my backyard. I grew up here. I can't tell you how many times people have just made fun of me about church, especially in the early days, serving God in the early days. You don't need God. Well, I'm telling you what, the same people are now calling me because they're they spiraling out of control right now. But if I'd have been held hostage back in those days, I wouldn't have the influence that I have over their life today. And some of you are going through the things that you're going through right now. And if, you don't, if you're not careful, their opinion is going to hold you up. And you've got to learn how to get past their opinions. Praise the Lord. Let me give you one more. Maybe two more. One more. One more. Not fortifying your deficit is a level. <laughs> Everybody has some levels of deficits, right? Everybody has them. Deficits are those things that we're not really good at. Deficits are those areas of weaknesses. Or it could be the places of ignorance. It's not that you're dumb or anything like that. It's just ignorant just means I don't know. Just because I don't know it don't mean I'm stupid. If we don't learn to fortify our deficits, then you can't move to new levels. Because the old level, the old baggage, will keep you held back to that level of living. And at some, at some point, at some point, in your journey, you have to stop tolerating all that craziness in your life. <laughs> At some point, you have to fortify your deficits. Can't stay addicted to drama forever. Many people, uh, I just, I feel, oh my Lord. I feel such sadness in the house right now. I feel like this is penetrating. Many people are stuck on levels because they refuse to fortify their deficits thinking one day they're going to get better. Not making your car payment, but by God, you got the latest smartphone 30. I just saw people, like, oh, my God. Watch this. That's a level, not a devil. <laughs> Getting your nails done and your hair did but won't pay your bills? Y'all ain't got to say nothing. Owing people money but avoiding them? Okay. Struggling to honor God with your tithe? But you have no problem getting that tattoo. Got money for that tat. That body piercing. And I don't have a problem with that. All right, y'all stand. Y'all stand. I better quit. Y'all stand. 
All right, y'all stand. I, I just saw the clock. Y'all stand. Okay. Okay, I don't have a problem with tattoo and body piercings, okay? I really don't. I don't, I don't that, that don't bother me. I just don't want nothing on me that I can't take off 30 years from now. Okay? So I don't have a problem. So, so, don't, so don't, don't put me in that corner, okay? I'm, I'm just talking about fortifying your deficits. You have to fortify your deficits. Let me, let me give you the, one more here. The company you keep is a level. If you're going to hang out with somebody, hang out with the two, not the ten. Hang out with people who sound like God, not the people who are working against God. Amen. The way you see yourself will determine how long you let wrong relationships torment your life. And I just believe today God is calling us to next level stuff. Moving us a little further down the road. So that we don't stay stuck with the, with the primary pressure of what is today. I know I don't have time to really, I got like three good things I could really say and just throw this thing over the top. But let me just say this. If you think that the world is going to get better, you're living on the wrong planet. The world is not going to get better. But the church can become stronger. God's not preparing us for better days on the planet. He's preparing us to outlive the bad days. With some courage. That's why the commandment, the commandment to the children of Israel was, when you come into the land, you got to be strong. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's not tied to your emotions. That was a command. Be strong. It has nothing to do with your emotions. Your emotions say, I don't feel like it. It don't matter. Be strong. Be courageous. Because the land that you're going, the giants, the problems, all the stuff that you're about to face is going to become dinner. It's going to become bread to you. Everything that's working against you is about to become your meal. And there are some meals, this, 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 uh, Cecil sent me a, a clip from uh, Pastor uh, Bill Johnson a couple of weeks ago. And, and the, the, he said it like this. This so got inside of me that when the, when the spies came back, they persuaded the crowd. Watch this. They persuaded the crowd to move in fear. Now watch. Nobody in the crowd said, I choose fear. They said, let's choose wisdom. Because fear will masquerade as wisdom. You look what's going on in our nation right now. People are fearful. And they're saying, well, it's just, we're just going to use wisdom. No, you're fearful. You're fearful. And we masquerade it with wisdom. And we say, well, we're just being smart. No, you're just living in fear. This is what Bill Johnson said. He said, if you live in fear or if you live cautiously, all your friends will call you wise, but you won't move any mountains. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let let me just help you. 
When the pandemic broke out, we took our precautions. We went outside. We, nobody knew what it was going to be. But after a while, you had to figure out the government's lying. Science is not telling the whole truth. And at some point in time, you got to say, I'm not going to live in fear. And I'm not going to hide it with wisdom. We're going to get right back into the devil's face. And we're going to say, you push on us. And we're going to push back on you. Because we believe the report of the Lord. Come on, Pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what? So the enemy paralyzes us with fear so we don't move to the next level. And then we call it wisdom. Well, I'm just checking it out. No, you're afraid. And God has not given us the spirit of love, or spirit, the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So I'm just trying to tell us today, we're about to go to another level. Push on somebody and tell them it's another level. Come on, it's another level. Come on, stir it up. It's another level. We're about to eat in our land today. We're about to eat our giants today. We're about to eat our problems today. Psalms 23, verse number 5. God has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The best place to eat is in the middle of your enemies. Amen. Okay. All right. A few minutes over. I'm sorry. Lift your hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. I need somebody to just press in. Somebody just shout, it's another level. Come on, somebody shout, next level. Come on, somebody shout, I'm a level changer. I'm a level changer. I'm a level, level, level changer. Come on, say it like you got some power. Say it like you about to stomp on some enemies' heads. Come on, in the name of Jesus, take 30 seconds and just pray it out. Lift your hands and lift your voice and just begin to declare, Lord, I am. I am a level changer. I refuse to be bound by mediocrity. I refuse to be held back by any lying spirit, any spirit of deficit that's coming against my life and my family. God, I break its grip. I break its power. Hey, come on, come on, come on. About 15 more seconds of some power coming out of the house. Come on, come on, come on. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Press. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we break. We break tradition. We break familiarity. We break long-standing stronghold. My family will advance. Look to you, Jesus. Look to you, 
last prayer. Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Last Sunday morning, seven people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Just because we don't know everybody, maybe you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Levels begin by knowing Him. Everything in your life right now, present and past, can be changed, can be changed in a moment by saying yes to Jesus. I'm not saying everything in your life will change immediately, but the process and the journey to be empowered to change it starts with your yes to Jesus. There's two types of people in this room today, only two, those that are born again and those that are not. There's only two types of people in this room today, those that are on their way to heaven and those that are not. Jesus Christ came to deal with the bondages in our own hearts, in our own lives. Just because you're sinful don't mean you're a bad person. Just because you have sin in your life don't make you a bad person. It just makes you out of fellowship with God. And Jesus said there's only one way to God, and that's through him. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. People are being born again all the time. And you say, you know what? I want to begin this journey. I'm not asking you to join this church. Maybe you're just here visiting. Whatever the case is, I'm not asking you to be a member of this church. I'm just saying let's start the journey. Let's become a level changer. You're in this place today, and you say, you know what? That's me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, or I want to recommit. Maybe it's been a long time, and you've been in a backslidden condition. He loves you today. He loves you. You're in this place, and that's you. Just raise your hand right where you are. Throw your hand up right where you are. Christians are praying all over the building today. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I just want to acknowledge you. All over the building today, I'm looking. I don't see nobody here, over here. I see one right there. God bless you. I see one over here. I see them over there. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you for responding. Thank you. Five more seconds, and we're going to make one more transition. Five more seconds, and we're going to pray. That's you. You want to be included in this prayer and say, I'm going to make the Lord over my life. It's a public confession. In the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask those, and there's multiple, multiple people over here that raised your hands, four or five at least, that raised your hands. I want you to do one more thing. I want you to be really brave, and people are going to come with you. Just come right here and give me the privilege to pray with you for 15 seconds, and then we're going to go home. Come on, church. Let's give God. God bless you as they come. Just come on out of your seat. Come on, they're coming over here. Come on, come on. You guys raise your hands. Come on. Come on, they're coming. Come on, come on, they're coming. Sorry, there she is. Come on. There we go. Amen. Come on. There was a couple more over here. I saw through the lights. Did you raise your hands? Did you raise your hands? Anybody over here? You guys okay over there? Everybody good? Okay. All right. All right. Hey, Heather. This is worth. This is worth everything right here. Amen. Amen. Heather, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth 
and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved and we'll begin that brand new journey. And I know you probably have committed your life before, but I'm just saying we're going to make this start today. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and the whole church is going to pray with us. Everybody's going to pray because everybody's in need of a Savior. Amen. So I know you're holding your baby so you can't like raise your hands, but I just want you to pray out loud and let it come from your heart, okay? Church, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you just like I am. I come to you just like I am. And I'm asking you today to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And I commit today to follow on to know you. I thank you today that my sins are forgiven. And I begin in a brand new journey. And I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. speak over your people today Lord as we engage our tomorrows as we step foot into our next week God I thank you for courage I thank you for the ability to embrace the next level of our journey with you Lord may they walk out of this building today realizing that they are level changers they cannot be stopped greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. If God be for us, what in the world could ever be against us? Father, we declare that I release blessing and power over your people today. Bless them coming in and bless them going out. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen, amen. Love on somebody real good. For our volunteer banquet, we'll see you back here tonight. We'll see you back here. I think it starts at 6. It starts at 6, so come ready. It's going to be a great time.